Uh, she is the Olympic gold medalist, Jess Fox, and she joins us now on the line. Are you there, Jess? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for coming on. First of all, congratulations on being the second athlete selected to the Olympic team for Paris 2024. You must be pretty pumped. Thank you. Yes, definitely. It's super exciting to get that early selection. And there's only two of us on the Australian team at the moment, but it's very exciting to, <laughs> to see see that number grow, I'm sure, in the coming weeks and coming months. So they are definitely selecting other people. It's not just you two <laughs> for this particular Olympics. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're expecting at least 400, over 400 athletes to be oh. selected for Paris. So it'll be a pretty epic team to be a part of. Now, the other reason why this is epic for you is it is going to be your fourth Olympic Games, um, which is unbelievable. Jess, you're probably getting pretty sick of them by now, eh? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, it's an incredible achievement. And I guess I haven't really reflected on it. I need to get to that start line to be able to say I've competed at four Olympics. But to be selected on a fourth Australian Olympic team means the world to me. I've been competing for the last 15 years and I can't believe London 2012 was, you know, 11 years ago and that was my first one and it's been an incredible journey since then. So very proud and very excited to be headed to a fourth Games. Now, Jess, you've ticked off everything uh, that canoe slalom has to offer, world titles, gold medals, uh, awards at home here. You are regarded as the Don Bradman of canoe slalom, the Pele of football or the Muhammad Ali of boxing, but I've got one more thing for you to tick off. Um, and you do have some connections uh, to France. Yeah. You're born in Marseille. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is that correct? correct. Your mother, yeah, yeah. your mother, Miriam, competed at the 19 to, 1992 and the 96 Olympic Games for France. This next, yeah. this next Olympics is going to be in France. What about the flag bearer? Has that been uh, talked about or bestowed <laughs> upon you? You can break it here first if you like. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I, I, I think Chef de Mission and Amirs will be deciding who the flag bearers are for the, the Paris Olympic Games. Of course, it would be a huge honour um, if I was to be one of them. But I think just being part of the team, being part of that, I'm, I'm definitely not thinking about that. Um, if it's to happen, that would be incredible. But just being part of the team, walking out into that stadium, as it usually is, will this time be on a boat down the River Seine. So it'll be an incredible opening ceremony. Oh, wow. And we'll wow. have to wait a few months to see who the flag bearers are because there's a woman and a, and a man. Well, there's a yeah, there's two flag bearers, I'm pretty sure, uh, this oh, time. What a great <laughs> response to a difficult question. What was she meant to say there? So <laughs> Jess is meant to go, you know what? Yep, I'm going to yeah. be the flag bearer. <laughs> Going to go past Anna with the most Olympics. Say, look, if you don't pick me here, I'm going to be around four years, eight years from now. Anna. It's, it's going to happen. Make it happen. Now. <laughs> um, have they given you an idea of what they're wearing? Because I oh, look at the Australian kit when they walk around, you know, the opening ceremonies. I'm like, oh, who's chosen that? It's like, you know, your grandma's picked that as your oldest school uniform that you wore. Have you, have you had a little look or have you got a say on the clothes that they wear? I've actually been part of the um, Australian Olympic Athletes Commission. So we've had a few glimpses, oh. but we, we can't give anything away. The The big reveal will be sometime next year. They're still sort of in that um, final stage of what it will look like. And, and, you know, I think it's always... Uh, you can't please everyone, but there's always <laughs> an element of design. There's always an element of comfort. And there's always also, you know, input from a few different people. Um, Sportscraft will be doing the uniforms oh, and 
I think, you know, you can expect some green and yellow. That's all I can really give away. <laughs> I reckon there's a couple <laughs> other most... things we can expect. Probably yeah. an Akubra, I'd say. Oh, I don't, I don't know, actually. Ooh. I'm not sure. But the, the my favourite part of the uniform that we always get is the Olympic blazer. And on the inside of that blazer is the name of every Australian Olympic champion and it's sort of on the, when you open it, it's on the inside of that. So it'll be super cool to see my name yeah. on the inside. Oh, yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. Very cool. And since you're on the committee, you'll be highlighted and embroidered yes. bigger than everyone else. <laughs> How did that happen? Now, for the layperson, we, we see you uh, every Olympics doing your paddling and you compete in the C1 and the K1 events. Can you, can you explain to us the difference in those two? And pardon my ignorance. No, no, that's okay. I actually do a little bit of a video on this on my Instagram and, and um, TikTok. Right. You basically have two craft, the two boats, we call them, the kayak and the canoe. The kayak, you're in a seated position with a double-bladed paddle and your legs are sort of out in front. Um, in the canoe, you're kneeling, your legs are sort of tucked underneath you and you're seated also on a block of foam and you're using a single blade. And so we do the same course down the rapids, ah. but the... The boat, which you don't see how I'm seated usually. I've got a spray skirt on, so you don't see the inside, mm. but that's the main difference is how we're positioned in the boat and the paddle that we use. And there's actually a new event added to the Paris program, which is the kayak cross event, and that's another kind of kayak. It's a plastic kayak. It's a bit shorter, and that's basically contact sport. There's four athletes who go down the ramp at the same time and negotiate a course. Oh, wow. It's a lot more tactical and, and strategic than the kayak or the canoe slalom events. I've always said for contact sports, they should add water. I've always said that. Make it so that <laughs> people can yeah. fall in yeah. and not get out. Now, I, I've got a kayak at home, Jess. Um, yeah. And oh, here we go. No, no are you, you're worried I'm going to ask for tips. I'm not. No, I, we, I've got a little children's seat on the front and I take my two-year-old out. And she often, oh, awesome. yeah, she often tries to jump out and drown herself. I was wondering maybe for uh, your event, we could, could you add a child seat on the front and just add a whole new element and each person has to know is a, a dumb idea. Bring a so child. Bring a child. <laughs> Grab a child from the crowd. That's right. And you've got to then negotiate while you've got a two-year-old driving you nuts. No, dumb idea. I understand that. Now, obviously, you um, <laughs> the last Olympics you were at in, uh, in Japan was slightly different to the other two, I'm, I'm expecting. We obviously, it was delayed a year and then there was COVID about. And yeah. We all saw what happened with the Olympic Village and everything. You must be pretty excited to sort of return to the huge festival atmosphere for this Paris Olympics. Definitely. I think having been to the London Games, which was an incredible you know, atmosphere, massive crowds, everything was perfect. The vibe was amazing. Going to Rio, which again, we had crowds. Um, there were a few issues in Rio as well, but when we got to Tokyo, it was a very different Olympics. And I guess there were so many restrictions in place. Um, we had you know, masks that we had to wear everywhere all the time. We had daily testing, um, no crowds, obviously. So it was a very different atmosphere and it'll be so exciting to be back in, I guess, a, a normal games and the Paris organizing committee have these grand plans to really make it a festival of sport, to bring culture and, you know, the, the whole of France really, because you've got different satellite villages as well. You've got the surfing in, in Tahiti, you've got the, mm. um, the, the sailing in Marseille in the South, you've got some sports in the center as well of, of France. So 
it's really going to bring together art, culture, history and sport to make this massive celebration, I think. So it'll be really exciting to be a part of that and, and to be, you know, racing in front of a crowd again. Is there anything you're looking forward to most, Jess? Because you've, you've been to the Olympics, you've won a gold, you've won a silver, you've won two bronzes, you've ticked everything off in the sport that your sport has to offer. When you finish competing, A, do they allow you to stay? Because I think in the last Olympics you were sent home straight after your event, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there something that you're looking forward to um, after? Is there any other uh, hobbies or passions uh, that will be going on at the Olympics that you'll be staying back for and watching? Oh, tough question. I'm I'm not really sure. I, I think, I guess for us, the focus is always on the performance. It's always on, you know, trying to do your best competition and then everything else you can enjoy afterwards. <laughs> um, I'll probably be staying the full um, two weeks because I'm um, also with the IOC Athletes Commission. So I'll, I'll be, able, you know, sort of engaging with the athletes around the village. And then I think hopefully getting to a few other sports, but you never really know until you get there. It's not like the athletes get a free pass to every sport or, or <laughs> no. every event. You sort of have yeah. to try it and get a ticket. But um, as as much as I can, I'll be supporting my fellow teammates um, and, yeah, enjoying the time in the village, watching the games. I I think it's my favourite thing to do, watching the Olympics. And I remember when we, we um, finished in Tokyo, a lot of people had to go, you know, quarantine. I, I actually yeah. went back to Europe for more competitions, but, you know, we were sitting in, in the hotel rooms for two weeks and watching sport, watching the Olympics. Oh. So um, as much as I can, I'll be supporting my teammates and, and yeah, making the most of that Paris atmosphere. Will you hang around after in France? Do you... I've just gotten back from France. I was there for the Rugby Union World Cup. Oh. And they oh, know how good. yeah, they know how to put a tournament on. I will say though, when they lost in the quarterfinals, the whole country basically dumped the tournament and decided <laughs> oh. it wasn't yeah, happening touch anymore. The subject. That's right. Thankfully that won't happen with the Olympics. They compete for the whole two weeks. But uh, amazing country to travel around. Will you travel and visit a few vineyards and a few maybe the south of France or something like that? Well, I have a I have a lot of family in of France. Course. My mum's side of the family is in, in the south, in Marseille, and a few of them are in Paris too. So I'll probably um, pay them a visit and my partner's French as well and he's sort of more in the east. So um, I'm sure I'll be doing a little bit of a, a tour and, and seeing everyone and, yeah, celebrating with that atmosphere. It's going to be crazy, I'm sure. It's a good joint sock. Mm. You oh, should go well, to the Olympics. I'm just thinking here, you know, Jesse's from Penrith. Very um, similar Come from Paris. Stop. Yeah, that's what I mean. And all the way to Paris. I mean, two P-letter words couldn't be further. Have you been to Penrith? Have you been to Penrith? I grew up in Richmond. Uh, just it's oh, uh, yeah, it's it's the dregs so of Penrith. That's where I grew up. <laughs> we were lucky, maybe once a month, to head out to oh, yeah the Penrith shopping centre out there and walk around. Um, but anyway, you well, are... I have to say, Penrith gets a bad rap, but it's definitely um, you know had a massive boost in the last few years, and it's just growing massively. There's so many beautiful spots. There's the Nepean River. There's the Blue Mountains, and I think. Yeah, I love I love being out here. Obviously, we're the home of the Penrith Panthers as well, so that's that's been great to put us on the map in in Australia as well um, and celebrate that. So, yeah, Westies, I'm I'm excited to hear that you're from Richmond. Yes, that's, cool. that's right. There's not many of us, but uh, you know we, <laughs> we are a small pool, and you're you're doing as proud us Westies, uh, Jess. You, you come from a, a a lean talent pool, but Pat Cummins, Nathan Cleary, Mick Fanning, where did you learn your craft of uh, paddling was it at the Penrith Whitewater Centre there? I mean, I, I was there just trying to keep my head yeah. above the water. But is that where you learned yeah. your craft? 
Yeah, it was. I mean, both my parents used to paddle. Um, so I learned with them. I learned, you know, on, on rivers, on lakes when we were young. So I was born in Marseille and sort of learned in that little kayak club down there by the sea. And then when we came to Australia, basically the Penrith Whitewater Stadium was my backyard because both my parents were coaches um, for the Australian team. So sort of spent a lot of time out at that Whitewater Stadium at first playing <laughs> with the sticks and the rocks and then eventually yeah. getting in the boat and getting on the rapids. So, yeah, love it out here. Now you talk about your parents. We all... Well, the fact that your dad called your gold medal gold medal race, uh, I mean, mm. we the, it was amazing to listen to. Have you sat and watched that with your dad and critiqued his call at all? <laughs> I don't think I can critique his course. He would he would probably find things to critique about my my um <laughs> my race, but no, I think it was such a a beautiful moment to share with him. Um, because obviously he couldn't be there to see it live, to be in the crowd, to to cheer me on. But he was now the soundtrack of my race and of that moment for me, which will be with us my whole life. You know, it was such a an incredible moment, so full of emotion and relief and joy. And to share that with my family was really, really special. So yeah, I, I've Every time I've watched it, I've cried. So I try to avoid, you know, getting too emotional. <laughs> Time to move on, you know. We've got another game's coming up. So, no, but, yeah, really cool to, to share that with him. We couldn't quite believe it. The the country, when we um, when, you, when you found out it was your dad, it was just that amazing thing, you know, just yeah. a moment that uh, was beautiful for Australian sport. Yeah. Um, so You could tell he was emotional. Yes. He, well, he sort of stopped talking at one point. And <laughs> well, we all were. I mean, it was incredible. Um, but like most sort of singular sport sports where you're just doing it on your own it can be quite lonely at time jess is there anything that you do outside of sport that you get away from besides traveling to france and penrith (laughs) yeah i think it's important to have that sort of balance and to find different things to do outside of sport obviously i'm training a lot and my day revolves around my sport with you know training and gym and physio massage video analysis you know you're seeing other people like the psychologist and you know there's so many different things that go into a performance so having time to switch off is important and for me that's spending time with friends when I'm home that's reading journaling Um, I'm also studying so that takes up a bit of time too and yeah getting to the beach when I can feeling finding ways to fill my cup I guess spending time with my greyhound Miss Pink Um, yeah lots of different things what are you studying Jen? I'm doing a MBA, a Master of Business Admin at Griffith Uni. Oh, there you go. Now, Jess, I'm getting the wind up in here. I think we've we've taken too much of your time, and um, I apologise. <laughs> we can we can carry on as we've realised. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you. Obviously, this is the last one. I promise. In uh, we're going to have a home Olympics here in 2032. Uh, what are the chances of Jess Fox yeah. in uh, in nine years' time walking out? Is there a Gosh. is there a chance? Who knows. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's still obviously a, a chance. I'll be 38. Oh, absolutely. I think. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. some athletes go until they're 40, of course. Um, I guess for me, we'll see how the body's holding up after Paris. That's that's the first one I've got to get through and then, you know, look towards LA. But I'll definitely be part of Brisbane some way or another. If, if it's not as an athlete, it'll be... Um, you know, whether that's volunteering or in media or organising committee, I'd love to be part of it and and enjoy that atmosphere of a home games. 
Um, I think everyone still talks about how special Sydney was, so I'm sure Brisbane will put on a great show and, and uh, yeah, it would be incredible to be part of that. Absolutely. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on The Run Home. Uh, good luck in Paris. We will be watching, um, and hopefully there are other athletes that join you. Hopefully it's not just you. Thank you. Yeah, stay tuned. The, the team will keep filling up. Oh, good. Oh, good. Very good. All right. Thanks so much, Jess. Thank you.